Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. So today we are talking about Nightbreed, the director's cut. Which was released in 2014. Yes, the original was from 1990, but uh, this one came out in 2014. And I had 2014 written down, and then after about 30 minutes of watching, I was like, when was this movie made? Because yeah, it, <laughs> it was very like 90s. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Nightbreed is obviously the movie that Digging Up the Marrow was based on. It is serious homage type of things happening here. Yes. And from what you have told me, Nightbreed was written... Oh, and what I saw, Nightbreed was based on a book written by uh, Clive Barker. Was it a book? Possibly a story. I'm not sure. But the screenplay was definitely written by Clive Barker, and it was directed by Clive Barker. It's a lot of Clive Barker. Oh, there was so much Clive Barker in this movie. There sure was. (sighs) Okay. So... Quick summary of the movie. Boone believes that there is this place called Midian. He dreams about it where the monsters live. And he desperately wants to go there. And he ends up dying and going there. Lucky guy. Becoming one of the monsters. Only much like was posited in Digging Up the Marrow, the monsters weren't all monsters. They were monsters, but they were not all evil, I guess is what I should say. Yeah. But the evil in the movie comes in the form of Boone's psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Decker. See? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a digging up the marrow thing. Mm-hmm. Um, who is has taken all of these dreams that, that Boone has told him about and used them to murder people and frame Boone for it, basically. Yeah. And then there's also a girlfriend who is desperately in love with Boone. Boone is desperately in love with her. So there's this Romeo and Juliet element to it. Yeah, that's what I remembered from my childhood. (laughs) I mean, it's not the only thing, but that was... (laughs) As far as the plot goes, I was like, it's a Romeo and Juliet story with monsters. Yeah, it it was a little more than that, but I could definitely... By the end, I was like, oh, I see it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I had forgotten about the serial killer. (laughs) See, that's what I would have remembered. Yeah. I would have been like, it's a serial killer movie. (laughs) Well, we spent a lot of time yesterday talking about the humans being portrayed as monsters or the monsters being actually being humans and, and the problematic nature of that. Right. Does this movie do things differently? Does this movie avoid that problem in your mind? Yes. In How this so? movie, the monsters are monsters. Although, apparently, all they have to do is bite somebody, and then that somebody is one of them, which seems Which kind of makes them vampires. Yeah. The, yeah. 
I mean, as they said, they're shapeshifters, which is sort of true for some of them and some of them not. I don't know. It was weird. They were all just a wild assortment of monsters. Well, it made the comment by the Decker in the previous movie that there were many breeds of them. It made it make a lot more sense because in this movie... There were many breeds yeah, of them. Yeah, they were all different. Some of them could be killed by bullets and some by fire and some by, uh, I don't, sunlight. I don't... Yeah. There were so many yeah. vampire elements in this movie, Mike. There were. I mean, these guys are <laughs> the... They're the night breed. They don't like the day. I mean... That's how that works. Uh, it was basically just a movie saying vampires don't all look like Grandpa Monster. much more than that. <laughs> no, it was. It was much more. I agree with you, except that this did fall into, like, there were moments where, especially when they were um, traveling through hell, essentially, or, you know, Midian. Midian, and getting deeper and deeper into this world that the monsters lived in, which had a very sort of M.C. Escher meets uh, Hieronymus Bosch look to it. like Or Ewoks. Or Ewoks. Yes, there were lots of rope bridges. Yeah. <laughs> but as as they were getting deeper and deeper into this world, the monsters got less and less human looking. But there were still some of them that were very reminiscent of the ones from Digging Up the Marrow, where it yeah. was like, this is based on something they saw in a medical textbook or in some, Possibly you know, Ripley's so, Believe It yeah. or Not sort of thing. So there were a few elements where I was like, hmm. That's not so cool. But but. the big advantage, the big thing this movie does right is it doesn't say, these are people with issues and we don't want to see them anymore, so we're putting them down there. It was was more of a, it was like a circus family kind of a thing, you know? Yes. We come to town, except we only live in this one place, and we keep to ourselves and the townspeople don't like us and want to shoot us and... And think bad things of us. And, yeah. and that was something I did like about it that I liked infinitely better than Digging Up the Marrow was that it was very clear by the end that the monsters were not all evil. Well, that was a, a funny thing about it was how pacifist the monsters were. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a certain... Oh, this this is a problem I had. Okay, first of all, when Boone first meets the monsters and he's like... I'm one of you. I've killed 15 people. And then throughout the movie, we see that, I don't know, that doesn't really make him anything like them. They don't kill anybody. They're like so pacifist. So there's some weird connection between being a monstrous person and being one of these monsters, except there's not. And they did talk about your sins are forgiven. So maybe you come in as a bad person and you get fixed and now you're a nice guy. I don't know. But not all, because what I did notice was while there were many monsters freely wandering around in Midian, Midian had its own (laughs) extensive jail system. And many of the monsters were locked up and clearly because they were vicious, like they were attacking, they would grab through the bars and, you know, they were trying to make them scary. So it's it's interesting. It kind of made the point that they're just like us, you know, like, yeah. There are good ones, there are bad ones, like... Except they're not quite like us, because the main ones have, like, no gumption. Like, his girlfriend's going down there going, I want to go see where he is. And they're like, you can't go there. 
go ahead. Yeah, she just walks right past him. At one point, she's like... stand in her way. Right, and at one point, one of them says, you can't go that way, and she looks at him, and she's like, well, you're not going to stop me, so I'm going to go, and she continues on. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I did get the feeling that they were trying to protect her, and so maybe part of that was them being like, you know, it was sort of that, like, Willy Wonka thing, like, no, (laughs) don't. Stop. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know, though. They did seem to have a lot of threats and not a lot of follow through. But on the other hand, what we learn in this movie is that while the monsters are pretty chill, humans are the worst things imaginable. Oh, my gosh. The humans were terrible. Like, all of the really evil things I can think of from this movie were done by not monsters. I think that was kind of on purpose. Yes, I do think so. But the doctor was a serial killer and yeah. had killed 15 people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was interesting when you pointed when that scene that you mentioned where he says, you know, oh, I'm one of you. I killed all these yeah. people. And the monster who he's talking to at the time is like, no, I can smell on you that you're an innocent. Like yeah. you didn't do that. Which, which makes cool. you meat. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. He was not uh, one of the more pacifist monsters. No, just for that one guy. Like, he was the only one I ever saw who really wanted to eat people. He was really vicious, yeah. He was he was bent on it, though. Also, let's see, who else am I thinking of that was evil? The priest, like, turned evil. Turned evil. Baphomet may have had something to do with that. Yeah, I, that was a part I didn't follow at all. So the priest gets down there... He's and he's, like, beforehand, he's he's all, this is wrong. We shouldn't yeah, be doing this. I can feel there's no evil here. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay. What a nice Good guy. guy. And then he gets down in there. And he, he walks up to the statue that's in charge. And he's like, oh, I see that you're this amazing God. I want to worship you now. Not the greatest faith ever in this priest. No. And then he, like, trips and splats his face into... Evil holy water, which is green goo. Okay, wait a minute. I don't think he tripped. I think Baphomet no. threw that at him. Yeah, something like that. It was it's something I don't that happened. Understand why exactly? But and it yeah. splashed his face, which, like everything in this movie, had no effect on his face, but messed up the rest of his head. Right. And he turned into a monster and became very evil. He was definitely yeah. one of the more aggressive. I ones. mean, I think he very clearly is the bad guy for the sequel. Yes. He kind of disappears and goes off and he's going to do some bad stuff. Yes. Yes. And even the cops in it, in this, there was a point where Boone has arrived at Midian and the doctor has told the police that he is a serial killer and he needs to be captured. And the police have, uh, believe this because they have been, you know, trailing these this serial killer and all the clues are leading to Boone. And they... They get there and, like, he comes out. He's clearly stumbling. He's clearly injured. And they just riddle him with bullets. Yeah, that's American police procedure. Mm. Yeah. It was very upsetting. Lots and lots of evil humans. Lots of not evil monsters. Mm -hmm. And then Lori, Boone's girlfriend, like, just charging through the center of it all. Yeah. She did not have any fear. No. Not even of stage fright. She was ready to go up there and sing a song for five minutes. Yes, she was. The other character who was kind of just charging through things and was the comic relief guy was, uh, I called him No Face. 
which is ironic because when he said he was going to peel off his face and show yes. Boone the face underneath, his true face underneath, he actually peeled off everything but his face. Yeah, well, like a, a ring around his face. Yeah. It was weird. It was very weird. But he was sort of like Boone's buddy in the Midian and was mostly a good guy with not great tendencies. Yeah, he was uh, a rapscallion. That's a good word for it. That's a good word for it. So what do you think of the love story of this movie? You know, this idea that Boone, having died, would do what he could to come back and protect Laurie. And Laurie, having lost him, would essentially walk through hell to find him again. What, what Does that do it for you? Melodrama. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. It, it all feels very 80s, 80s, yes. 90s. I don't know. I mean, they didn't really have any reason to be into each other. Like They were just... No generic kids in love they seemed that's what it is that's what it felt like it was like they're too dumb to know better because they're you know young and stupid and in love but beyond that which again that's the very like romeo and juliet piece of it like we'll just you know blow up our lives and the lives of everyone around (laughs) us for these hormones we're feeling in this moment which makes an interesting ending to the movie where i mean Romeo and Juliet, she stabs herself, she dies, he bites her so that she also becomes Nightbreed, and now the two of them can be together forever, except how long is that going to last? Right? That's an interesting thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, either they're going to be together forever, it's going to be like a like a Spike and Drusilla kind of love. Yeah, that's what I was picturing. Or they are going to have a long time to resent one another. <laughs> yeah. But the thing I was going to say earlier was that aside from this one almost inappropriately passionate kissing bout in the car shop where Boone worked, there was no indication that they had this great love. They were just, they had a normal relationship. It was, it seemed like a good relationship. It's just a normal relationship. I'm sorry. I mean, now I feel a little bad saying that because normal relationships are great. (laughs) But are people willing to walk through hell and back and, and, like, come back from the dead for just normal relationships? I hope you are. Oh, baby. What we have is not a normal relationship. That's good. I would fight all the monsters to find you. Oh, you don't fight monsters. Monsters are nice. I wouldn't have to fight them. I would just look at them and be like, well, you're not going to stop me. And yeah. Keep going. They just walk aside. Yeah. Including... The leader of them, one step below Baphomet, yes. was Lylesburg. His name was Lylesburg, like he's their accountant. But no. Like he's the city their accountant lives in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, he was just the, the leader. I just thought that was a weird name. In other monster news, there was one that was the It's Mac Tonight guy. Remember oh, I called him Moonface. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a big old moon for a head. Yeah. That was something. It was it was odd. So Moonface and Snakehead mm-hmm. were the two monsters we met first. Yeah. Because Snakehead was the one who wanted to eat Boone, and Moonface was the one who was telling him not to. And there, that was the point where I had not yet decided 
how this movie was going to go and whether this movie was symbolically saying things that needed to be said or that didn't need to be said. And I had a moment of, and this was because we had watched the other one that was all about like, these are rejected humans. Uh And I was like, okay, so one of these guys has snakes that look like dreadlocks. Yes, I noticed that. And the other guy is literally a moon face. Moon face being an insult that is often used to describe people of perceived low intelligence. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, these are really on the nose (laughs) right now. And I'm not 100% convinced that there wasn't some of that in there. I don't know. But I'm also not 100% convinced that that wasn't just me reading way too much into it. Well, and sort of the flip side to that is when it comes time, when the humans decide we're going to go attack Midian and kill all the monsters. There's this extended scene of collecting weapons and loading into pickups and everything. Mm. This is pure MAGA assault force. My note at that point was police brutality and rednecks with guns. This looks familiar. Yeah, it was was white supremacy totally. Yeah. And it wasn't disguised in any way. So, like, the monsters are all symbolic, but the people... It's just a bunch of rednecks with shotguns. Yeah. And and not the good guy rednecks with shotguns. Yeah. And like they were they were bad. The head cop, I don't even know what his job was, but he was a cop and he was in charge of this whole raid. He was a detective of some kind. He was a Nazi straight out of an Indiana Jones movie. Like the way his glasses, the outfit he wore, he looked like a Nazi, but at the same time he was a redneck cop. Yeah, I agree. He was straight-up KKK. Yeah, he looked like some kind of Hitler youth guy. Mm-hmm. And he, he almost was like, Mark Schnell! <laughs> to all his minions. It was weird. It was it was weird. But, I mean, when was when would this have been written? When was Clive Barker writing? Well, it was probably written in the 80s. And I think we were still seeing a lot of fiction with Nazis as the bad guys at that point. Like, we still believed... Are they the good guys now? We still believed fascism was wrong in the 80s. It's a little trickier these days. Hmm. These days, if you're opposed to fascism, you're the bad guy? I don't know. Right. You're part of a terrorist group if you're (laughs) anti-fascism. So anyway, I, I I do think that, that that was not unintentional, that he looked like a Nazi. Like, you know, it yeah. was... But it was strange because, you know, like the redneck cop, mm-hmm. but he looked like real clean cut and and with the Nazi haircut and stuff. Like it, it didn't fit. But I mean, if you were going for Nazi, yeah. it was perfect. I don't know. Interesting difference. The monsters defeat the humans... Drive them off. Sort of. Yes. Defend themselves against the humans um, by releasing the berserkers. Which are big, sharp haze. Bulldogs. Sure. Sure. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) They had wrinkly faces. Or little teeth sticking up. (laughs) Monsters from the deepest depths of Midian. But Midian is destroyed, and they have to, like, pack up and leave. And Baphomet is killed? Destroyed? Well, driven. I mean, they talked about packing him up and taking him with them. But he's disassembled. 
Yeah, There's some really assembly required. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't show how that worked out. So that, I guess. I don't know. But then also, Boone becomes Cabal, who is now their Baphomet's new, like, second in right. command. Right, thanks to following the prophecy, which included just straight-up exact drawings of the, all the Scenes stuff that happened the in the movie, which right. was a really specific prophecy. I think they should have just looked at that more closely. Part of me was like, how did you get halfway through this interaction with Boone and not realize <laughs> that he is the guy who's painted on your wall? <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, they're detailed pictures. They really were. One of them, like, the guy who is like, I didn't believe in this prophecy, is the one in the first picture yeah. biting the dude. I'm it's like, a it's of you him. with your snake hair. <laughs> like, come on. The prophecy featuring me it didn't seem valid. I mean, maybe it was painted after he was born. And they're like, well, okay, I get it. They just drew me. Maybe. I don't know. So anyway, now Boone is going to be, like, the boss man. Yeah, or something. And despite the fact that Laurie stabbed herself in the gut mm-hmm. and became Nightbreed for him, did he make her stay? Did she come with him? Um, they went off together, and all the other monsters were just sitting in a barn going, sure hope Cabal comes back sometime. <laughs> He's out carousing with his new girlfriend. Yeah, same girlfriend. His old new girlfriend. (laughs) His new old girlfriend. Well, that was the question I had. At the very end, there is a girl with fingers on her face. That's not his girlfriend, right? No. Because I was wondering, you know, like, his thing was that he had swirly runes on his face or whatever. That was his monstrousness. Right. I wanted to know what her deal was. And then I saw this finger face that I'd never seen before. And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't think so. I think she was just one of the, um, like, the monster refugees hiding in the barn. That's good, because that would have put a real damper on that relationship. With the finger beard? Yeah. You wouldn't like me if I had a finger beard? Uh, it would, it, I'm holding again, my fingers at my chin right now to help you It would be imagine a, a damper. <laughs> I feel like there's surgery we can get for that. Hey, <laughs> don't judge my body, my finger beard. Love me for who I am, damn it. Um, <laughs> so at the end there, though, before Lori became Nightbreed, she was human. He was Nightbreed. She was saying how she would do whatever it took. And, and then he was all, I'll come back for you later. And she's like, what, when I'm 90 and you look exactly the same as yeah, you do was an now? assumption. I mean, I was assuming it was going to take that long, too. But it really felt like a... Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel the Vampire kind of moment. For the whole movie. I'm like, Boone is Angel. Like, he looks just like Angel and he wears a stupid leather jacket. Like, He definitely was that, like... Well, if it was written in the 80s, they still thought the 50s, like, jeans and white t-shirt and black leather jacket was the height of cool at that point. Yeah. He was the height of cool, for sure. I don't know. He should have had a cigarette and sunglasses. Whatever. I'm rolling my eyes at him. (laughs) Ratings! Here's the thing. Oh, no. There's a thing. The thing is, I don't like this kind of story. At all. What kind of story is it? Uh, It's this... I never quite know how to describe it, but when you say to someone... This is, most people have not heard of Clive Barker, but 
if I say, this is H.P. Lovecraft, this is a Lovecraftian story, they're like, oh. And yeah, I'm everyone all, likes it oh. except you. No, I don't like it. I don't like, here's the thing. Here's what I don't like. I don't like when describing the monsters entails basically saying, think of the most horrific thing you can <laughs> think of. And it's a hundred times worse than that. But they don't actually describe it. But this movie didn't have that issue because it was visual medium. Okay. True. And the entire scare of the movie was, look how horrific these creatures are. Yeah, this was not a scary movie. Not at all. Whatever. You've shown me they're not scary. They're not hurting anybody. Yeah. I'm not afraid of them. Just let them live their lives. Yeah, when the people showed up and they're like, what are we going to do? And Boone's like, you got to fight them. And they're like, oh, I don't know, man. And they're, they have horns and claws. <laughs> and they're like, but I don't know. But, but no, I. it's just... There's something about these Clive Barker Lovecraft stories. They're bad acid trips. They're stories that were written by people who went on bad acid trips and are like, holy crap, you guys, (laughs) I have to tell you what I saw. No, you don't. You have to go take a nap, eat a vegetable, and just chill out a little bit. These stories do not work for me at all. I find them Mm. super annoying. (laughs) This was better than reading anything by Clive Barker. Infinitely better. I despise reading Clive Barker. Insanity. I don't even know how we came together. It's like humans getting together with night breeds down here. His writing is... It's not horror. It's fantasy. It's like adventures in this wild wonderland of crazy creatures and magical spells and elves and goblins but there's nothing there is no reality like it's just you're going along it's twisty you're going along and then what i've painted my character into a corner oh he just imagines there's a hole in the wall and suddenly there is (laughs) don't think that's what he does it's everything is just it's like when you're dreaming and things just morph all of a sudden and it's a completely different dream and your brain is like, that's how things are. Fine. When you're dreaming, that's how things are. But when someone has written a story, there should be some coherence to it. There is. No. His writing's really good. I don't like it at all. No, it's really good. Ugh. And it was a lot of journeying. Like it was just... Yeah. Yeah. Going and going. It's like that nightmare I have where I'm stuck in my grandma's basement and it just keeps going. Now, this doesn't work for me at all. That being said, I can recognize that there was a lot of effort put into this. There, This is a personal issue with me, not an overall issue with the movie. I mean, it was from 1990. It felt like it was from 1990. It really did. But it wasn't terrible in and of itself. It was just terrible for me. So I have to keep that in mind. And I am going to give this movie three hairless cat girls out of five. Okay. I saw this movie when I was a teenager or so, at least twice. Not the director's cut, obviously. And, you know, I don't remember it being important to me, like it wasn't a special thing, but I do remember seeing it, and I think I liked it. And it was the kind of thing, when you're a teenager, you're like, oh, look at the crazy monsters, and oh, yeah, they're they're punching each other, and there's shooting, and, you know, that guy's got snakes coming out of his belly. 
slowly. I'm sure it seemed a lot more impressive in 1990 yes. than it seems now. The effects are not super amazing, but people really like them because they're all practical and yeah. people really get into that somehow. So it's something that's very good for teenagers is what this is. And as a grown-up, I can recognize that even though Clive Barker's writing is very good. Very, very good. Have you written it? Have you read any of his stuff since you were a teenager? Yes. <laughs> yes, I have. Okay. It's extremely good, actually. His movie, mm. the biggest problem with it is the writing. Like, there's no plot. Like, there's a, definitely a plot, but there's it's super inconsistent and hard to follow and, like, Things seem to happen for no particular reason, and things jump from one place to another, and it's so... And this was the director's cut, which was described right. as being better at explaining the story than yeah, the original. That's the that's like the fundamental difference between the director's cut and the original, is they added stuff in to make things clear. And it's still just an absolute mess. There's there's no story, even though there is a story. but It's very weak. Yeah, very weak. So that's... What the big problem is, and that bothers me because he's a really good writer <laughs> and clearly didn't know how to make that into a movie. So I kind of enjoyed it, but it was dumb. And it really, a huge part of it amounts to the thing I wanted to see at the end of Digging Up the Marrow, which is going down into Fraggle Rock and mm -hmm. seeing all the Fraggles everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a whole scene, an extended scene, which I'm sure was extended in the director's cut, where Lori is going down looking for Boone through the tunnels, and it just keeps cutting to all these different guys and gals and things that she's seeing in the tunnels. And, like, mm -hmm. people just being weird for no reason except to be weird. It felt like when you're walking through some bar or bizarre <laughs> in Star Wars. Yes, I was going to say it's very Star Wars. Very Star Wars. And for exactly the same reason, the people who made it came up with all these elaborate costumes and, and gadgets off. and whatnot, and they were like, ooh, look at this. <laughs> oh, but then look at this one. And look what we did here. Isn't Ugh. this weird? Yeah. Which is ridiculous, and it I is. don't need that. But I did like the fact that there was a legitimate monster world instead of just a guy in a cage. So I'm going to give this one two and a half hairless cat girls out of five. What? I rated this movie higher than you did? Fewer than you are giving it. Just to make you feel bad. My, my brain. My... I feel like I'm trapped in a Clive Barker story. <laughs> Well, just imagine a hole in the wall and jump out. <laughs> Can I tell you something yes. about having read Clive Barker? That it's really good? The truth of the matter is, the only reason that I read two whole books, big books, because, you know, fantasy, Yeah, they always say more than they need to, <laughs> the only reason I read those two Clive Barker books is because it was early enough in our relationship that I was still trying to impress you. And I read them because you kept saying how great they were. And I'm like, but I have to, I have to get through these. I have to read these. These are good books. And now we're far enough along in our relationship care about me at all. that I'm like, no, those books were trash. They're so good. <laughs> Guys, you don't even have to read books. Just read like a paragraph of what he writes and be like, wow, this is some good writing. These are descriptive and 
powerful words. You are not alone. I have had so many people tell me how wrong I am about it's Lovecraft good to be wrong. and that whole. Well, Lovecraft. I mean, not as a person. Like <laughs> people generally agree with me, Lovecraft <laughs> is trash as a person. But like his writing, that it's that whole genre. People like that genre, and for some reason, I like people who like that genre. I don't yeah. know what it is about you, Maybe folks. Maybe it's just that it's everybody but you. It's so definitely not everybody. Mm, I don't know. I think I'm just attracted to Nightbreed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that. And tomorrow, we're going to continue our journey of digging up the marrow. Oh, goody. For our fourth in a row, we will be watching a movie that connects to digging up the marrow in that it's the movie Hatchet, which is directed by Adam Green. Uh, the star of Digging Up the Marrow. Yes. And we're going to see whether his ad... Well, his ad did work on us. We're going to see whether his ad was a good idea. It sort of half worked on us because I had almost half decided we should watch Hatchet. When we were watching Digging Up the Marrow and he mentioned Hatchet, I was like, oh, that's that movie I wanted us to watch. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not totally brainwashed by Adam Green. Okay. okay. Maybe you will be after we see Hatchet tomorrow. Maybe. Take a nap, eat a vegetable, and just chill out a little bit.